too much. Too much. <laughs> you're not a Bond villain, no. is what you're saying? I mean, I have the voice for it. <laughs> okay. Welcome to He Read, She Read, the podcast where a couple of married bookrooms discuss what they're reading and learning. Today we're sharing what's on our spring birthday wish lists. I'm Curtis. And I'm Chelsea. Let's start with some listener questions. We have a few non-book questions from listeners today, and they're all about Penny, which is fitting because she was my birthday present a few years ago. Still the best birthday present I ever got you. <laughs> I guess we should clarify, we were planning on getting a dog, but it happened... That we had the money saved by the time my birthday came around, so you surprised me. Mm-hmm. I just feel like that's a good clarifying point that, like, none of the gifts today that we're going to discuss are, like, puppy level <laughs> in terms of price or commitment. Okay, so people want to know what kind of dog is Penny. Penny is a soft-coated Wheaton Terrier, which is a long name for a, an Irish dog that mm-hmm. it was bred to chase down rodents. Yeah. Yeah, so that's rodent hunters. That's what she's about. So anytime that there's like squirrels or any type of small animals around, she goes nuts. Or a ball under the couch. Yeah. Or anything hidden, she's really good at finding stuff. Yeah. Um, she's fluffy and she does not shed. Uh, wheat interiors are hypoallergenic, which was a big thing for me because I'm allergic to pet dander. Mm-hmm. And you grew up with a soft coated wheat interior in your family before we had. Yeah, Penny. Gus. How old is Penny? She just turned four. Four, yeah. <laughs> you had, had to think, had about, think it. about it for a second. <laughs> She's still a lot of puppy. Yeah. Well, I think that's just because we are good about keeping her at puppy level. I think that's just how Wheaton Terriers are. Gus was a puppy all the way up until he was 12, so. <laughs> so we've got plenty more years of this with her. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, what are Penny's favorite toys and treats? Well,. We can't let her have too many toys because of said rodent hunting. She she looks really sweet and gentle and fluffy and cute, but she's actually vicious. Yeah. She will tear up anything stuffed. So mostly like rope toys and any kind of like tennis ball or a ball that she can just play fetch with mm-hmm. or a rope that she can tug yeah. is good. She... Probably her favorite thing of all time is anything that squeaks, but she's not allowed to have those toys because she just destroys them to get the squeaker out of it. Yeah. So in typical weedy fashion, she'll just find her way to the center, rip it apart, and then take the uh-huh. thing that squeaks out. Um, as far as treats, she her favorite food of all time, like human food, is popcorn. She loves popcorn so much. <laughs> she likes carrots. She likes coconut oil. She's a pretty healthy dog all around. Let's be clear, though. She likes pretzels a lot, too. So any Really any human, like anything that you're eating, she wants. Yeah. But I think we were getting a lot of questions because she's been hanging around in our little podcast studio the last couple of episodes yeah. we've been recording. We mentioned but... her. She also makes quite a few appearances on Instagram. So understandable. We get it. She's the star. We're just here to support Penny's career. It's fine. <laughs> she just wants to be famous and wants to be on the podcast. <laughs> All right, so let's get into the episode topic for today. Well, we should probably preface by saying that both of us have birthdays coming up. Yeah. Which is the reason for this subject matter. Yeah, it's not like we're just 
talking about random. books we want for our birthdays yeah. at random. <laughs> um, my birthday is at the end of March and your birthday is at the end of April. So this is around the time where we both start to think about mm, what might I want for my birthday. Now I'm the worst person to shop for for my birthday because it's been a frustration of you for 10 years is that I, if I want something, I will just buy it. Yeah, so, you're an impulse buyer. Yeah, it's a problem. But for you, it's very much like it was difficult for me for the first couple of years to try to find books that you were interested in. Mm-hmm. So to actually have something like that Wonder Woman book that you were talking about uh-huh. this week that you liked that I got for you, that's kind of a confidence booster. So here. Well, and it kind of gives you something to go on that you know I like books like that. But I think typically what you've realized with me... And in general, I don't think I'm the easiest person to buy for because I don't really like to accumulate stuff. I really prefer if people spend the time with me for my birthday. Like I would rather have an experience Um, or I really love like temporary things like flowers because I just like to know that people are thinking of me and that they love me. Mm -hmm. I don't really need a thing. So although I do love to get books for my birthday that's probably not like my favorite thing to get I really like if you take me out on a special date that you planned or um if a friend takes me out for coffee for my birthday like those are really my favorite things my love language is quality time so I think that makes it pretty clear also (laughs) I just found out that I'm an Enneagram 9 Stop the presses. Put put a put a drop in there. That's got like the woo, 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 woo. this just in. In a in a world where Chelsea didn't know what enneagram she was, I thought I was a one for a good long you while. You were a one forever. I think I'm a nine wing one. But like the whole thing with an enneagram nine is like we just want to be known. We just want to be noticed. <laughs> so I'm really happy if I'm if my birthday is just acknowledged by people in general. So, and then for you, like with birthday presents... I don't care. Yeah, you just don't don't care about your birthday at all. I don't care about my birthday at all. I don't care about gifts. Like, I've been... If I see something or if I have saved up money for something and I want it, then I just buy it. So that's the difficult... I learned that from my father. My father's like that. Yeah. So it's kind of a trend that I've been going toward in my old age. It's tough, though, because I really like birthdays and I like spoiling the people around me. Mm -hmm. I really love giving gifts, so... I do like when I can find a couple of books that maybe you didn't know about that you get excited about. At least then I'm like, well, if Curtis doesn't care, at least I can give him a present because it gives me satisfaction. (laughs) Well, and you're usually more up on the new releases and things like that. Like, is spring supposed to be a hotter season for book releases or is that... Well, spring and summer tend to be. So spring is leading into that summer reading season Mm -hmm. where people tend to go on vacation over summer. They tend to just have a little bit more time or make more time to read in the summer months. So I think it just corresponds with that, really. Yeah. So because you're more up on that new release time -hmm. schedule, like you're more likely to find something that I don't know about. True. Because I've just got a backlog in my Amazon wish list that I've been trying to build through. True. And now a backlog of over like 100 (laughs) Seriously, when we unpack, when we move, I'm just going to do a full Excel spreadsheet and count up the numbers we really... and see how many books I'm looking at yeah. for my backlog. I'm really curious about that. <laughs> but um, like for this episode, it was the first time that I've been intentional about looking forward to new releases and seeing what's coming out mm-hmm. and actually found some interesting stuff. So I'm, I'm looking forward to this discussion. Yeah. So, w- well, our, 
all of your books new releases that you have on your wish list? Uh, all of the, let's see. I actually can split it half and half by subject. So all of oh. the all of the new releases that I'm looking forward to are all nonfiction. Okay. And then all of the fiction books I have on the list are already out. Okay. So that's kind of interesting. Um, I just have a list of new releases that were released in February or are going to be released in March. Kind of the benefit of having a birthday at the end of the month. I kind of can have that backlog of what's been released already. Mm-hmm. So I have two young adult books on my birthday wish list. Um, The first one is We Set the Dark on Fire by Taylor K. Mejia. Mejia? I tried to look up how to pronounce her name on the YouTubes, but (laughs) didn't come up with much. Um, Anyway, this book sounds super cool. So it's about a school for girls and they're trained for one of two roles. Either she will run a household and raise children for her husband. There's like another option that isn't listed in the description, I guess. Um, But basically like the women who are promised that spouse and housewife role are guaranteed to be away from political uprisings, which are taking place in the lower class of society. So the main character is at the top of her class. She's the brightest student, but then she discovers that her identity, her privilege is a lie, and her parents basically sacrifice everything so that she could be above her station. Um, And so graduation comes up, and she's sort of got these expectations placed on herself, but then she's got this discovery. So she has to decide if she's going to cling to that privileged status Mm -hmm. or if she's going to give it all up for joining the political uprisings and engaging with a forbidden love. So it sounds really good. It sounds like it's got a little hint of like handsmaid's tale-ish things. Um, It's, it just sounds fascinating to me. It's, the cover's really cool which matters to me. I don't know. (laughs) I like pretty covers, but it just, it sounds really, really good. And then the other young adult book that I would really like to read is Rain and Delilah's Midnight Matinee by Jeff Zentner. I really liked The Serpent King by him. Do you remember, this is the author that I sent him, like, a Facebook message because I stayed up all night reading The Serpent King and was so, like, overcome with emotion about it that I I was like, I need to tell him how much I loved his book. I do remember this interaction, yes. (laughs) And I sent him a Facebook message, and you thought I was so ridiculous. I do think I said you were a freak. Yeah. Or some type of... Well, you you thought that I had, like, this big crush on him or something, and I was like, no, I just love his book. And he responded to me. That's a, I mean, that happened. Yeah, that doesn't really valid. Would you say that as like a validation or vindication? Look, I think it does. <laughs> the way that a lot of young adult authors interact with fans today is so different. And they really like have that connection, especially with their younger fans. But I feel like teachers get grouped in with that too. So anyways, um, Jeff, if you're out there, hi. <laughs> If everyone could see Curtis's face right now, he's not happy with me. Anyway, okay, so he's got this new book out. Nick Stone, another one of my favorite authors, said this was like her favorite book of the year, and I trust her. It's about two seniors in high school 
Delia and Josie, and at night they host this cable TV show, which kind of reminds me of The Princess Diaries. You know, her friend hosts that cable TV show. Right. Anyway, um, so they face these tough decisions about their future and what they want to do with their lives, and there's some like good backstory, coming-of-age story, and it's supposed to be funny, too, so I'm really, really looking forward to that one. Nice. You know, with all that backstory. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I feel like I can talk about my sci-fi fantasy. Yeah. And that'll be a good way to segregate all the stuff. Um, So these are in the fiction category that is all stuff that's already been released. Um, Based on all of the interactions that I've had with the podcast and people saying that I need to read these. First on the list is Brandon Sanderson's The Way of Kings from the Stormlight Archive. So I've said and beat the drum that I'm a huge fan of Patrick Rothfuss' uh, Name of the Wind books, and everybody else, when we have recommendations or rec- like books that we want to talk about in the sci-fi realm for those episodes, everybody brings up The Way of Kings. It's probably like at least 10 people by now have at, told you. At least. So, and not to mention that every time I look at the book, on the front cover when we find it in bookstores is like the advance praise from Patrick Rothfuss that says he loves it. So not to mention the fact that it's been mentioned on the podcast, but every time we go to bookstores, I always find it. Mm-hmm. And like I find the ones that I like too. So I don't know if this is the same for people, but for paperback fantasy books, I like it if it's like the larger edition where like it's Not about- the mass market small size. chunky one no no no. i like it where it's a like a like hardcover size but paperback yeah i don't know what you would people really will know the people who like books will know what you're talking about yeah. listeners will know i'm that bad where like when i bought uh the name of the wind i bought it in like the mass market size and mm-hmm. then i found the second book in the larger and then i had to buy the name of the wind again to match to of match course it, also listeners are gonna understand that yeah that's just the way it is. Um, so finally going to get on the train with this, and I don't know when I would ever get to it, but that's the point of birthday presents is that it doesn't have to be exactly happening right away. And then the other fantasy books that I would want to get back into, I've mentioned that I was a big Star Wars kid and loved the Expanded Universe books when they were out in the 90s and early 2000s when I was growing up. And Timothy Zahn was one of the big authors of that era and has since released another trilogy or is about least two-thirds of the way through a trilogy with the third one coming out this summer Uh, but it's the Thrawn books so I would hope that some people actually know who that dude is but he's essentially an alien who joins the Empire and goes against the Luke Skywalker Han Solo types and then these books that come out are supposed to be kind of his backstory before he joins up with the Empire and sees what happens. So the first one is called Thrawn, and then the second one I think is Thrawn Alliances. Yeah, got that right. Um, where he kind of links in with Darth Vader, and then they're both kind of prominent characters. So I want to get on the train of reading some Star Wars books again. That's a big step for you, Curtis. I know. After you forsook... <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's correct. Fors- fors- <laughs> forsook the entire fors- franchise. <laughs> <laughs> is it... Well, so forsake... Yeah, forsook. It was, it, yeah. the franchise has been forsaken so for, by you. Yeah. You forsook it. Wow. Spot on. <laughs> well done. Good. Good job. Well done. Yeah, but that's a big step for me. <laughs> <laughs> What's next on your list? 
Okay, um, so other fiction that I have on my list includes American Spy by Lauren Wilkinson. And this is a book that takes place in 1986, so Cold War era. Marie Mitchell is the main character. She's an intelligence officer in the FBI, and she's a young black woman, and she's working with, as you can imagine, basically all white men. So she's kind of like in a place where her career's not going the way she wants to, but then she gets this opportunity for a shadowy task force. (laughs) Why is everything a shadowy task force in these books? So, okay, one of your favorite shows is The Americans, right? Yes. I feel like this is probably going to receive some of those comps because it's Cold War Russian spy stuff, but with that relationship focus and how does it affect people outside of work, the way that the American sort of looks at, okay, well, how does that actually impact people and their families? Right. And so I feel like that's what this book is doing. So she's excited about this job but she's also sort of suspecting that she was only offered the job because of her appearance as a black woman um and so anyway over the next the course of the next year she does all of these spy things um and the description says everything that she does changes what she believes about what it means to be a spy a lover a sister and a good american And yeah, so, okay, it also says that it knits together gripping spy thriller, heartbreaking family drama, and passionate romance. It sounds really good. The cover's pretty cool. Other fiction that I'm excited about, Daisy Jones and the Six. So this is fiction, but it is the oral history of a band. Um, If people listen to From the Front Porch, Annie Jones has been talking a lot about this one. She read it and loved it. It's by Taylor Jenkins Reid. And... Um, according to several people who have read it already, it's amazing. You finish reading it and you really feel like, oh, this is a band. I need to hear their music now, but it doesn't exist because it's all made up. (laughs) The structure is supposed to be really interesting. Um, it's highly anticipated. Reese Witherspoon already picked it up to produce as a mini series with Amazon, I believe. Interesting. So I'm always excited about that. So, yeah, that's one I definitely want to read. The next fiction selection that I have my eye on is A Woman Is No Man by Etaf Rum or Rum. And so this one is about a young Arab girl. She's 18 years old, Dea, um, and she's starting to meet with suitors, but she doesn't really want to get married. And so... Apparently, history is repeating itself because her mother went through something similar. And so it goes back and forth between the young woman's perspective and what she's going through and her mother's narrative. And so it's like family secrets coming out and how that plays into their culture and community. And I think that that back and forth sounds really interesting to me. Yeah, that one I'm excited about. I think, so I haven't read A Place for Us yet. I'm really looking forward to reading that soon because it's on my shelf, but kind of sounds like this might deal with some similar themes. Um, And then the last fiction book that's on my list is Queenie by Candace Cardi Williams. And it's billed as Bridget Jones Diary Meets Americana. From what it sounds like, it's like a modern romance story, but also um, sort of just about a woman finding herself 
yeah, the, again, the cover's really beautiful. All of these books that I have on my list, the covers are really appealing to me. <laughs> well, that's something that you like factor in. I do. Well, especially for books that I'm going to keep. Mm-hmm. They because I, on the shelf. Yes, because I, I don't purchase all of the books that I want to read. So the ones that I do actually want to own, if they're pretty, I'm more likely to keep them and display them. So um, what other fiction are you looking at? Well, I've got The Lost Man by Jane Harper. So you and I both read and loved The Dry, which Mm was a, was that her debut? Yeah. So it was about a federal police agent named Aaron Falk in Australia who goes back to his hometown to solve a murder and is kind of in this Australian outback desert kind of vibe. Mm -hmm. And I haven't read the sequel to that Force of Nature yet, but the word on the strassa has been that it's not as good. We try not some German, are ya? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> has been that that one wasn't as up to snuff as they say. Uh, but that's not the word on The Lost Man. So The Lost Man is a standalone novel, um, st- still takes place in the Australian outback setting, which I think she has a very good way of describing everything, how that factors in. But this one is about two brothers who meet in the outback when their third brother is found dead. So it goes through the intrigue of that. And I don't know, when I hear family intrigue and murder in Australia, I just want it to be some sort of connection with Instant Hotel. (laughs) But there's a reason that Instant Hotel doesn't take place in the middle of Australia. Right. So, so this it's would, mostly coastal. Yeah. So this would because be because like, they love the water. <laughs> but yeah, that for a mystery, as it like will be leading into summer by the time that my birthday rolls around. Uh, and another, the last fiction one that I'll talk about is Ghost Fleet by P. W. Singer. So I've recommended this on the podcast after I found it on General Milley, who's the chief of staff of the Army's recommended reading list, and then as I was recommending it. I've heard a couple of people talk about it at work and have seen some more stuff on it, so I'd actually like to own it and read it. So it's a techno thriller about what World War III would look like based on technological advances uh, in the last couple of years. So there's hackers, there's fighter pilots and drones, Silicon Valley intrigue and stuff like that. It's kind of a sci-fi element look to it, but a lot of the stuff is actually rooted in reality as far as technology is today. And then it's actually written by two authors. So it's uh, P.W. Singer, like I said, and August Cole. And they're both strategists and military consultants. So they're involved in the community, which adds some um, authenticity to what they're writing about. So I like that as well. That sounds terrifying. Yeah, but it's the future of maybe how things will look. So you know how I am about like reading through historical accounts on things that have happened. So this would be like looking ahead to see how things might turn out in the next 20 or so years. At first when you were talking about it, I was like, oh, that sounds really good. And then it sank in that <laughs> 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 it's really realistic. And I was like, mm, I don't know. That yeah, kind, might... kind of scary. That might be too much for me. <laughs> <laughs> But those are all my fiction. Um, So those are all, like I said, stuff that's already out there that I've been digging through the backlogs. And then when it comes back to my time around, it'll be all nonfiction stuff that's going to be new. Okay. I have two nonfiction books that I'm excited about. Go for it. So the first one is The Trial of Lizzie Borden. No, I I saw this one too. And I think that that's cool that we both found it and wanted to talk about it. Yeah. 
that doesn't happen naturally very often that we both find the same book that we want to read. Yeah. So this one, The Trial of Lizzie Borden by Kara Robertson, is a new account, a nonfiction account of The Trial of Lizzie Borden, which is so much a part of American folklore that pretty much everyone knows who Lizzie Borden is and like has a general idea of what she did. But I feel like there have been so many fictionalized accounts of it. This one um, is based on transcripts of the legal proceedings, newspaper accounts, unpublished local accounts, and letters from Lizzie Borden herself, which up until now have not been found. So I guess they're recently, I don't know, recently discovered. But the line that really got me is that the trial of Lizzie Borden offers a window into America in the Gilded Age, showcasing its most deeply held convictions and troubling social anxieties. And I just have this fascination with the Gilded Age. I've always really liked books set in that time. I think it's just really interesting and a ripe historical period. So Lizzie Borden isn't like one of my things because I don't love horror, but I do like mystery. You like true crime. I do, yeah. I don't know, especially like the legal proceedings and stuff fascinates me and the way I like books that take something like this and display how it, how the culture of the time affected what happened and then how that specific thing affected the culture. Yeah. So I like that societal sort of bringing the lens outward. Um, I feel like it's a maybe a good comp to the secret history of Wonder Woman in that way, because like that book was about Wonder Woman, but it wasn't really about Wonder Woman. It was about the suffragette movement and feminism of the time period. And so I feel like with this Lizzie Borden book, it's going to be kind of similar. Like it's going to be about Lizzie Borden and the trial, but mostly it's going to be about the Gilded Age and how women were treated then and the psychology of the time. So maybe a little bit of Devil in the White City about how the H.H. Holmes stuff fit in with the larger, like, World's Fair cultural piece? Yeah, I think so. And that's another book that I would like to read. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I do think it's interesting that both of us flagged this one as possible birthday book list, which maybe that means that we need to get it. <laughs> well, I think I've said this before. If there's, like, a new angle to an old mm -hmm. story, that's something that intrigues me. So the fact yeah. that there's you know, new documentation, new evidence, that sort of stuff that like makes it less of a cash grab and more of like, this is actually a story that needs to be told. So I'm in favor of that. Maybe Buddy Reed. Ooh. Since we both liked it automatically and we, we haven't really thought of a Buddy Reed past March. So that could be a good potential Buddy Reed. Put it on the potential. <laughs> okay. The other nonfiction book that interests me is Invisible Women Data Bias in a World Designed for Men by Caroline Criado Perez. And so this one is about how the world is built for men and in very small ways that get overlooked, there's a huge gender gap and women are largely ignored. So a couple of the examples that are given in the excerpt is that in a car accident, women are 47% more likely to be seriously injured. Like when they're doing car testing, women's bodies and how they respond to car crashes are largely overlooked because men are the like base point for most of that. Things like that that are largely unknown or you wouldn't necessarily think about unless someone told you, hey, by the way, did you know that this is all designed for men? I just, I think it's going to be really interesting. I like the untold story. I like the sort of 
little lesser known fact kind of angle. So this goes into details like that in case studies and research everywhere from government policy to medical research to technology, urban planning, the media, and it reveals the actual data of how all of that stuff is biased towards men. I can imagine us having conversations about it. Well, we did start this podcast to learn things together. We did, didn't we? That's like in the whole bio and everything, isn't it? Yeah, it's in the thing I say at the front. (laughs) (laughs) All right, what is your nonfiction besides The Trial of Lizzie Borden? Um, So I'll I'll clump two of these together uh, as authors that I've mentioned before on the podcast, uh, Stanley McChrystal and William McRaven, both senior leaders in the Army and the Navy, respectively in special operations. Uh, General McChrystal is coming out with Leaders, Myth, and Reality, and Admiral McRaven is releasing his memoir called Sea Stories. So both of those authors I've read before and stories that I'm familiar with, um, but the books will just dive deeper in depth on things that I'm excited about. So General McChrystal, I read his biography, his autobiography actually, um, that talked about his military career, and then now he's kind of trending into the leadership and business realm in, as an author. So this book is going to reference uh, 13 leaders in different eras and fields um, from Walt Disney and Coco Chanel in business to talking about Robespierre and the French Revolution, Boss Tweed in New York, a little bit of Margaret Thatcher in there as well. So it's a wide variety of individuals and eras and just seeing connecting them all back together. So I still have a lot of leadership books that I haven't read but i will always be accumulating more so this is Mm -hmm. one that goes on there um and then admiral mcraven um was famously leading jsoc when they led the mission that took out osama bin laden so in sea stories i'm wondering if there's going to be some details and stuff about those operations and stuff like that so that's one reason i'm looking forward to that and then as a third and final one that i'll talk about is dragon's jaw by Stephen Kuntz. So this is coming out in May, so it'll be a little bit after my birthday, but it's a story about Vietnam, and um, Kuntz was a naval aviator in Vietnam, so he's got some of that firsthand account and then able to describe some of these stories as a historian. So basically there was this bridge that they were trying to destroy and flew hundreds of hours of missions and man hours. Americans got shot down trying to blow up this bridge and it wouldn't be destroyed. So the North Vietnamese saw it as like this symbol of their way that they were standing up to the Americans and they wouldn't be able to um, like allow the Americans to come through and destroy this thing. So Dragon's Jaw talks about this whole effort to destroy the bridge and the kind of back and forth of how it was actually able to work and I don't actually know the story about this, so I don't know if they ever actually did it. Hmm. So it re- it kind of reminds me of this tree that we kept trying to blow up in Lithuania. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Another Lithuania story. Okay. Well, it was in the middle of the impact area. So where, mm-hmm. um, where we were to shoot. It's a safe area on a training base where you can just shoot a bunch of artillery. So we were using it as like just a refined target being like, sure. hey, if you can hit the tree. And... We were never able to hit this tree. <laughs> like, it was just... Invinci- For all of your training and mathematical 
and artillery prowess. Okay, let's be, let me say this. It's a single tree in the middle of a field that was probably like 20 kilometers away from where we were shooting. Uh-huh. So it's hard. It's not easy. Well, I yeah, I, that's what I that's my point is that like think, I don't know. Think of it like a Vietnam era fighter plane that can't blow up a bridge. Same thing. <laughs> okay. <laughs> little little bit of same same on that one. Um, but yeah, I think I've read some Stephen Kuntz before. I can't honestly remember, but he's got a distinguished flying cross for his service in Vietnam, and he's a historian that has written a ton of books before. So I'm intrigued to pick this up sometime. The only other books that I have on my list are. Jane Austen, which I own all of Jane Austen's books, but I love her work and I'm always happy to reread it. Same with Anne of Green Gables and Ellen Montgomery's stuff. So those are books that I'm happy to collect in every edition just because they look pretty on my bookshelves. So I've had the cloth-bound penguin versions of the Jane Austen novels and the um, Bronte sisters clothbound penguin classics on my list for a while and the annotated versions of all of Jane Austen's works because I think that would be really fun to go through and read the books that I've read and loved but then to read the annotations so um and I haven't read all of her books actually I still haven't read Sense and Sensibility and Northanger Abbey what are you doing with your life <laughs> Look, there's a lot of books to read, okay? I'm just surprised you haven't read those when you were coming up. That's because I'm too busy rereading the ones that I like already. (laughs) Which, you know, unusual for me, right? (laughs) But anyway, so those are always on my list. That's like a good safe bet. Do you want to talk about your book-related things that are not exactly books that you were... Yeah, so these are partly ideas that I think I would like, but also just suggestions if any other listeners have birthdays in the next couple of months or have someone in their life that they need to buy for. So these are book adjacent. Um, So Sips Buy subscription box. We've been getting our boxes for free from Sips Buy. So just to put that out there, be clear. Um, But I would totally get this as a gift for somebody or ask for it as a gift for myself. You sign up for the tea subscription box and you take a little questionnaire of what tea you like. And then every month they send you samples basically. So you get to try new stuff all the time. And if you're like us and you drink tea constantly, it's nice to try something new. Mm -hmm. So that's, I think, a really good birthday gift. Um, Libro FM. They're our sponsor for this week and would make a perfect birthday gift for anybody who likes audiobooks. And we've been talking about them for a while on the podcast. So it's a subscription service that lets you purchase audiobooks directly from your favorite indie bookseller. You can pick from more than 100,000 audiobooks, including new releases, current bestsellers, and recommendations from booksellers around the country. And you can select which independent bookstore you're wanting to support. With Libro.fm, you get the same audiobooks at the same price as the largest audiobook company out there. You know who it is. And you'll be part of the much different story, one that supports community. All you need is a smartphone and the free Libro.fm app. If you already love audiobooks and don't know where to listen next, check out recommendations and curated lists from the people who know audiobooks best, local booksellers. Listeners of He Read, She Read podcast can get a three-month audiobook membership for the same price as one month. That's three audiobook credits for the price of one. And it's the same price as the other company. We've made the switch to Libro.fm and hope you will too. Go to Libro.fm, that's L-I-B ro.fm and enter the promo code hrsr or go through the link in our show notes with each listen take pride in knowing that you're supporting local bookstores i think getting a physical book in the mail every month is really fun 
Um, I had a gifted book of the month club subscription and I really liked it while I was doing it. But then when it ran out, I decided I didn't want to sign up for it again or ask for it for my birthday again. I personally think it's more fun to support independent bookstores and go through the shelf subscription from the bookshelf in Thomasville or the page one books subscription. So those, again, you get a book every month or every you can probably sign up for just one, three, six, a year, that kind of thing. Another subscription that I don't know if people really think of that often for birthdays, but I think it would be fun to say to someone, okay, well, I know you listen to What Should I Read Next every single week. I'm going to pay for a year-long Patreon support for you because Ann Bogle just released the What Should I Read Next Patreon page. I think it's like eight bucks a month to get everything, including bonus episodes. So for someone to say, hey, for your birthday, I'm going to pay for your monthly Patreon. So you can get all of these perks from the podcast that you love. I think that's a fun idea. So other podcasts that people might listen to who have Patreons, and these are just bookish. I don't know. I'm probably missing a bunch, but like you can go search on Patreon for your favorites. The SSR podcast has a Patreon page, the Stacks podcast, From the Front Porch, and of course, we do. So <laughs> if someone listens and likes bonus episodes and extra content from their favorite podcast, I think it's a cute idea to sign up for a Patreon subscription for them. You're on the cutting edge of the future right there. That's that's ne- that's next level. <laughs> um, do you have any book-related things that you might like for your birthday? Well, just one of my favorite reading spots would get a little bit of added flavor and class to it if I would get a whiskey decanter, which mm-hmm. I've had my eye on for a little while because I'm a scotch guy and have been for a couple of years. So I've been, you know, slowly looking when we're in like antique stores and places like that, trying to find something that's classy that I wouldn't mind having on a bookshelf or on a little drink cart because you keep mm-hmm. saying that you want to get a little... In the library. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But I don't want to get, I don't want to go full and get one of those globes that lean, that you can take the top off. Ooh. Uh, Too much. Too much. (laughs) You're not a Bond villain? Is what you're saying? I mean, I have the voice for it. Okay. Um. (laughs) (laughs) But I could just think of being in my like old school leather chair with Mm -hmm. my book in the morning and that's where I drink my tea and I can also be there at night and have a little bit of scotch if I had my decanter. Yeah, I think even a bottle of scotch or like a bottle of wine, there are probably a lot of literary themed. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, I just did get a bottle of Game of Thrones themed Night's Watch whiskey, which I'm a huge fan of all things Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if it, like that's taken on such a, another life of its own that it's hard to kind of reckon that it's still book related. Book related, you know? Yeah. What, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like. I was trying to put Winds of Winter on this list being like, yeah, I, I want to get the sixth book. When's that ever really going to come out? <laughs> like it, we we had Dance with Dragons in 2011. And it's so it's been over eight years that we've been waiting for this book to come out. George, do it. Although I did just read an article that he turned down a cameo for the final season of the show to write the book. Um, Be on the lookout, listeners. We'll have some Game of Thrones content coming up in the next couple of weeks. (laughs) Yes. I was going to say, save it for the Game of Thrones episode. (laughs) But I also think that would fall under the category of like, well, you're just going to auto pre-order that. 
no matter what. Oh, 100%. So, so as soon as it drops. As soon as, yeah, as soon as it's available for pre-order, it's just a no-brainer. Like, that's not a great gift for you. Because <laughs> you're just going to do it. Yeah, that's, that's how I am, though. <laughs> if we think of anything else, we'll mention it on Instagram or put it in the show notes. But, you know, that's what we want for our birthdays, so... <laughs> this is really yeah it's really Nerds. nerdy yeah. <laughs> well and it's not like we already have tons of books waiting on our shelves but we just want more at least i do I, i'm not gonna speak for you i think i made it pretty clear it's not like i feel like i need these any of these books that i mentioned i would be happy to get them from the library when they come out but i'm not gonna be upset if they show up in my doorstep <laughs> like i'm not gonna i'm not gonna send them back so all right. Well, what would you like to recommend to the listeners this week? Well, it seems like we both have podcast recommendations. So I'm going to say that, you know, we had a couple of months or maybe one since the Super Bowl where you had a little bit of a football break, but now it's it's the draft season. Oh, yeah. You're so, back to all football all the time now. Well, so the combine is this week or the combine, as some people in the media do they seriously call it the combine? So one podcast that I listen to, he calls it that just to be a contrarian. But, but it's kind of funny. Like you think about it, like nobody, it's spelled the same way, but he just likes calling it the combine. So for it, any football fans out there, if you're extra into it, like I am, where you're just watching people run the 40 yard dash and do all these drills, like for instance, I shared it on Twitter today that this guy who has 230 30 pounds, 1.6% body fat, ran like a 4.340. That is, he's six foot three and a wide receiver. He's How not, is that like scientifically it's not, possible? It's, it's unbelievable. He's not that aerodynamic no. if he's that big. He, it's insane. So if you're into that type of stuff where you want to get some scouting reports and look at your teams and see who they might be picking, um, I recommend Move the Sticks, which is a podcast by Bucky Brooks and Daniel Jeremiah, who are both scouts for NFL teams for years and then now work for the NFL. And then they spend a lot of time in March and April before the draft analyzing players and telling me like who they think is going to get drafted. Are you just laughing at Bucky Brooks? Yes. <laughs> There's nothing else that the man could have done besides get into sports broadcasting. I'm sorry, but like that's. Well, he also played. So yeah. <laughs> so his, yeah. Of course. Yeah. What's his, what's, you know, his like real name? Bucky's a nickname, right? I don't know. Uh, his first name is William, middle name Eldridge, mi- <laughs> nickname Bucky. Well, William, Bill, Bucky, I can see that. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, but then Daniel Jeremiah is like a well-known personality and does broadcasting as well. So, But they were both scouts and managed like scouting departments with different teams in the NFL. So they know what they're looking for. So Cool. If you're a fan and a nerd like me and want to know who your team is drafting to win the Super Bowl next year, check out Move the Sticks. Um, the podcast that I would like to recommend is It's Been a Minute with Sam Sanders. This is an NPR news podcast. So sharp contrast. Yes. <laughs> from the NFL media group. Um, I really like Sam, the host, and he brings on really impressive journalists to talk with him. I like the format of the show because it's a little bit more loose, fun hip, I guess, than some of the other NPR news podcasts. Are you daring to say that Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me is a little stuffy? Compared to It's Been a Minute, um, comparable. Oh, I mean, okay, okay, okay. that's a different kind of a you're, show. You're talking more about like morning edition. Well, so or... I also listen to the NPR politics podcast and, you know, some of the other 
shows that they put out. Code Switch is another one that I really like. Um, it's Been a Minute really combines a little bit of fun and a little bit of sass with true news stories and they're not afraid to like go deep and I don't know. It's it's just a good mix for me. Okay. I like the I like the general personality of the show. I think you meant to say combines. Combines were you gonna say? Dang it! <laughs> <laughs> you got that one mixed up. You can, so you can't even like it's so stuck in in your head. You can't switch. No. <laughs> I tried to get you on that one. Uh uh-uh. uh. Anyway, everyone, thanks for sticking around and listening to us talk about our birthdays. If you have a March or April birthday, let us know. You also got some free ideas. <laughs> yeah. For what to ask for. Thank you for subscribing and sharing our podcast. He read. She read. If you haven't left us a review on iTunes yet, please do. We currently have 40 reviews. I would love to get to 50 by my birthday. Well, birthday present for Chelsea, everybody. Yes. We need 10 more reviews. By the end of the month, I would love 10 more reviews to reach 50. So our buddy read for this month is Dare to Lead by Brene Brown, and that episode will air on March 26th. Go ahead and connect with us via social media or email. We've been getting some really fun, sweet emails lately at hereadsheredpodcast at gmail.com. And of course, Twitter and Instagram is at hereadshered. Thank you all for listening. And remember, the couple that reads together combines their interests (laughs) to buy books they like. (laughs) (laughs) And that was nowhere close to what my laugh impression was. (laughs) (laughs) Nowhere near.